activated by temperance spirits, temperance spirits, creating a space for change. Oh my gosh, this team stinks, Zach. The, this, this is not the game we wanted to start for our first dynamic duo cast, but uh, we're here. What happened? Oh my god, what a collapse. Just a calamity of errors, man. Like, leading 3-2, to two, going into the third. All the momentum on your side, despite what you think of a couple of the goals that happened in the first, like, you had Campbell actually play decent in the second. Oh, I shouldn't say decent. Like, very well in the great second. great in the second. Yeah, exactly. He played all, He played really good. Now, I will say, there were a couple posts by Kaprizov, some wide-open nets missed by the Wild. Uh, there were a lot of messed up the defensive assignments by the Rose. I felt like the Wild had a slot shot every two minutes, but like, man, they, they looked good. Like this to me is the best that the Oilers have looked this year. Like, yeah. I don't even know, like outside of Nashville, but just so many things went wrong. Now I will say they did score a goal in the third period. So we do have that to be excited about, but beyond Lucky that, the back. Man, oh my God. Like, and, and it's funny because before like, in the second intermission, I was kind of getting ready for the show, and I started writing down, oh, I thought Nurse was playing well. Fogel was playing out of his mind. Like, you would have thought that was Connor McDavid dressed in the 37 jersey for the uh, amount of stuff, chances he was creating. He closed off the three on his jersey. He just became 97. Next oh next time, God. next game, he's he's going to be wearing the McDavid jersey. But yeah. you were you were going off in the chat, literally just listing guys. Like, half the team was doing great. And then the third period just was a monumental collapse. One goal for us, great. That's the only third period goal we've had so far. And then five against. There's an empty netter in there, but fine, whatever. Like it, it's it's just unacceptable. This team stinks right now. I don't know what the issue. Well, actually, you know what? Again, we can go up and down the line, but we can go point to. Okay, we can go. We can have a conversation about Bouchard. We can have a conversation about Adam Ernie. And there's, you know, conversations that need to happen about a number of things that went wrong and a number of players on the roster tonight. But again, I said this to you right before the show starts. Take away that empty netter goal, six to four. How many of those goals would you like Campbell to have? At least two of them. That one that he couldn't cover in the first, that wild goal, right at the end of the first period where you lose all the momentum for your team going in the intermission. It's tied 2 2 rather than. Uh, you know, you're obviously up by a goal without McDavid. It's he a huge momentum swing. He can't cover it. Wild score. Uh, then later in the game, I don't know what that rush was. I believe it was the 5-3 goal by Ryan Hartman. Just yeah. right under Campbell. Giant C, even Campbell again. Oh, what no. he finished tonight with? The 4-on-4 four four one, right? The 6-4 the the four 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 one. one. Yeah, yeah. 6-4, my bad. Yeah. Just six that, four. that just absolutely killed it. And 800 save percentage. 800 for Campbell, 862 for Gustafson. It's not like this was an unwinnable game. It's not like we got goalied. Okay, yeah. And and one thing I just want to say, because I already see people in the chat talking about Bouchard, and we can have a Bouchard conversation. The, the, the thing with Bouchard, yes, he has a, there were some glaring defensive issues. The first couple goals for the Wild, yes, Bouchard should have been way stronger in defensive zone, lost his guy. He was not hard on the puck, lost puck battles while picking up score, easy goals in front. The four-on-four goal, should Bouchard have gone for that pinch there? Debatable. But at the end of the day, Campbell should have that. Yeah. Um, But, again, without Bouchard tonight, where would they be? He They'd scored be short. the first goal. They'd be short, two too. Two primary assists. Like, yeah. you can't point this all on Bouchard, man. 
No, like, this isn't they, a Bouchard problem. This is a Jack Campbell problem, man. It's not just Campbell. It's not just Bouchard. It's the entire team, save for a few select members. Every third period, they look like they're drunk. And you know what? That That's a perfect segue over to our sponsor, uh, Temperance Spirits, creating a space for change. You're watching Game Over Edmonton, your source for the best analysis of the Edmonton Oilers from the 23-24 season. Game Over Edmonton is pleased to... To announce our title sponsor for this season, Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's preferred non-alcoholic beverage retail retailer. And that might be why the, what the Oilers need right now. Temperance curates a vast selection of local craft non-alcoholic options. Choose from a selection of beers, wines, mocktails, and spirits. We believe that a social lifestyle does not require the consumption of alcohol. To celebrate Sober October, enjoy 10% off some of our favorite beverages. Let's raise a toast to being sober this October. You can find Temperance Spirits online at www.temperance-spirits.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. We are back, Zach. Thank you so much for your patience there. Look, this team is just... They have these fantastic periods, but so far they haven't been able to put together three periods. I would say even like two periods in order to win a game, right? That's the key difference right now is they're only sparking like the brilliance that you normally see out of Oilers hockey. It's only happening one period per game. And that's just not good enough. Like going into this season, we were going to say this is the top six of your dreams. Like no team in the NHL has a more powerful top six. And right now, our big acquisition in Connor Brown is on the third line. If if that sometimes. I mean, honestly, he's he's been doing very, very little for a star. Literally nothing basically nothing like the issue is you're kind of locked to these guys right now there there's no amount of movement we're right up against the cap there's nothing you can really do here no there, there's nothing you could do it's well if you wave yam uh not yamark if you wave ernie <laughs> oh. then you could at least bring someone up because oh my god like another guy another brain dead play when he's out on the fourth line Every time he touches the ice, I'm so nervous because a couple of the multiple wild goals came from Adam, er or at least one came from Adam Ernie, missed defensive assignment. He's covering Derek Ryan for some reason. The wild defenseman walks right down the wall, unobstructed, sets up the goal. They were amazing with those slot passes and stuff and the, the shot pass tips, whatever, onto Campbell. And Campbell wasn't really stopping much, regardless of how you think the Oilers defense played. But again, there's just so many issues. There's so many guys that had a decent preseason. Guys in the minors, like tonight, who scored goals. Ben Gleason, Lane Peterson, uh, Raphael Lavoie, Lavoie, guys with speed, guys who can shoot. G guys who have skills that possess things that this team so clearly lack. And they're just not doing anything about it. And last game, though it was lose again, we're bitching and complaining about Yamark on the second line. What do they do? Put Matisse Yamark on the first line. Now, what I will say, honestly, pleasantly surprised with Matisse Yamark's game tonight. Tonight not was not close bad. to the problem. First goal, amazing screen in front, Bouchard slap shot. First goal by an Oilers defenseman in the first minute since Jeff Petrie in 2014 against Buffalo. And the Oilers were rolling. But they just can't help themselves. And it seems like, ev and the problem is, this defensive mistakes happen. Bouchard, horrible game defensively. Defensive mistakes happen. They cannot all end up in the back of your net. I get, okay, Campbell made great saves. 
Campbell was playing like Dominic Hasek. When people say that, I don't necessarily believe that's a compliment. That means you are putting yourself out of position. You He's are making these saves bit. harder than they have to be. What are you doing sliding all over this? There was a shot where that came from the point. 40 feet out, no one in front, and Jack and Louie start yelling, oh my god, what a save by Campbell. Like, like you texted, who put banana peels in the crease? Like, why is he flopping around in the first place to begin with there? Like, literally, if you're just in position, the puck hits you, no problem. There were so many issues. I don't care. I genuinely don't care what people say. Oh, Darnold there sucked in this. He should have had his man. Oh, the Kulak should have had his man. I thought, honestly, I thought Kulak... Vin Kulak had one mistake, but I thought Broberg was great. I thought Vinny was great. I thought Nurse played really well. I thought CeCe played really well. Obviously, I think it was a fourth save, goal. Save a couple times, but hey. But, like, seriously, you got to get a save. Again, six games this year. They have once had a save percentage over 900. Okay. Once. And they but won that game. Here's, here's the thing, right? Like, a ton of the goals came right in front of the crease, and some of them were definitely on Campbell. The the one that's most egregious has to be that Hartman one. That the one that just capped off the end of the game, like six four. You're not coming back from that. Hartman didn't shoot the puck. He just nudged it, and it went right through Campbell. And it, he had some really good saves, like like genuinely good saves mm -hmm. in the second period, and. Those weren't just, you know, uh, they were a little bit showy, fine, there's a little bit of flopping around, but they would have beaten, like, any NHL goaltender. Campbell was able to save some of those, but that one and the other one in the, I think it was also Hartman, in the first period, where Campbell has no control of the rebound, he's leaning forward trying to pounce on that rebound, it, it, these sort of mistakes from Campbell and from the defense, for example, Eric Sinek, that goal, beautiful. All alone in front. All alone in front, defenders standing there looking at him. I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's something that's in their ears telling them, hey, you know what? You, you have to watch for these certain situations. And they're so busy watching, they can't react fast enough. But take the body, right? So many of our defenders, they say, we've gotten bigger. We have a bigger and brawnier defense core. The key point of that is to take the body, push guys out of the crease, make we, it easier on your boy. We changed the defensive system for exactly this reason, to kind of help our defense that can't pass, and now our team can't score. And obviously, they're without economy Davis tonight, but four goals should be enough to win you a hockey game. it's This is unacceptable play. There are so many uncharacteristic... Like, Evan Bouchard did not have a game like this last season. Evan Bouchard does not make these types of defensive mistakes all, like consistently. This year, obviously, he has. Again, it seems like every single one ends up in the back of the net. But this is ridiculous. And I see people talking about the defensive system in the chat, and we'll get to it. Um, One thing I do want to say before we continue, we're already at 19 likes. There's already 93 people watching live. They want to see us melt down after that dog shit performance. Um, so yeah, let's try and hit like what 74 likes at least during the stream to try and, you know, at least get the score, have some sort of positive tonight. 72, 74 for Stu next, next game. Yeah, exactly. Like let's, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's get something positive here. Like I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what we're, <laughs> what's going on here, but ah. let's, let's, let's be clear, right? 
Minnesota is also no defensive stalwart. The The fact that we have four goals on Minnesota, that's fantastic. But it's not like they win games by holding guys down and just playing in the like two, three sort of uh, goal area. They, they are not a defensively good team. So the fact that you just needed to be average defensively to match their level defensively Mm -hmm. and you would likely have a good chance of winning this game but so many goals in this game came from direct egregious mistakes by a defender by uh, the goaltender by someone in front like this is an unbelievable sort of scenario for the edmonton oilers there is almost like this lack of cohesion they're not communicating with each other people look lost well, at times there, in the defensive zone there was zone. one goal where all the, the oilers are just pointing i believe it was eric's neck they're just pointing to, okay you go there you go there and no one went there it, it, it's, they're just like are you dumb like someone the whole point is to cover the front of the net and no one not one person is covering the front of the net there's literally no one there it's only minnesota wild players it felt like that second period was just wild slot shot wild slot shot wild slot shot and thank god for warren fogel that's a sentence i never thought i'd say in my entire life there he just again went off to this game he played super well and i think going forward warren fogel might be a top six player war is warren fogel is who we thought connor brown would be like warren fogel is playing awesome like tonight uh five on five you know who had a great game leon drysaddle wasn't helped out by anyone when he was on the ice the oilers outshot the wild at five on five 12 to six i thought dylan holloway excellent hanging on to the puck tonight he he when he was on the ice he was outshot the wild seven to five at five on five holloway has consistently been one of the best players this whole season and he got demoted for it he got less ice time for it i do not understand some of the decisions that are being made on the coach i I, I, another situation we had three too many men penalties oh dude yeah let's talk about that it's this was a mess of a game three too many men penalties there was a goal I believe it was the tying goal for the Wild. Uh, I wrote it down and I cannot find it in my notes because they're super messy. But um, yeah, it was one of the goals. Echo, or no, it wasn't a goal actually. But essentially, the Oilers kept messing up their changes, messing yeah. them up so bad. There was a play where Matthias Ekholm went to change and the Oilers who jumped on, they couldn't touch the puck right away because they knew too many men penalty. All of a sudden, wild throw on one. This is in the second period. So it, it hit Campbell or Campbell saved it, whatever, however you want to put, put it. But again, there were so many. Uh, like bench errors there were just so many things wrong with the team tonight it, it's unreal i don't understand how it, how a team does that three too many men on the ice penalties is unacceptable and that's jay woodcroft's fault partially yeah like that is i get that okay you know sometimes the puck comes around your bench when you don't expect it it comes near a guy next thing you know uh, uh it, it hits a player and then it's a too many men on the ice penalty three in one game that's ridiculous. And to cap it all off, the one at the very end of the third period, no one is even looking. They, there were six players on the ice. Everyone was just skating towards the puck. No one took any time to look around and realize that there were six players out there. I, I think when the ref blew the whistle, people were confused. They were going, what happened? There should be nothing that warranted a stoppage. The, it was the end of the game. Fine. It was already after an empty net goal. Things were already getting a little bit 
tussly, but the the situation is so dire now. You know, the last game I did a game over for was game two. And at that point, I was trying so hard to just be positive because there was there was this hope right going into this season that we should be a contender and right now we have won one game and lost one game in overtime this is just unacceptable cap it all off mcdavid is injured the i in the beginning i texted to the group chat looks like everyone decided to to grow up everyone woke up a little bit when mcdavid wasn't playing they looked so good and then they blow this horrendous third period. And I, I'm at a loss from wor- for words every afterwards. Line, every line worked their butt off in the first period, especially. In the, in the first period, the Oilers were out shooting the Wild. I believe they were up 5-0, to you know, eight minutes into the game. They were the significantly better team. At the end of the first, they outshot the Wild 12-8. to Everything looked to be in their favor. Yeah, that, that goal to tie it up went in uh, really late. But... It felt good. It felt like the Oilers were in it. It felt like the game was within their reach. And then everything just crumbled. They absolutely just fell apart. I see, again, another thing tonight. Like, yes, that Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, uh, Fogel line scored some goals. But Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and I know plus minus not the best at minus four tonight. Not acceptable. Like, with Connor McDavid out, you need to be the second best player on the ice. And he was nowhere close to that. I thought he was handling the puck really well, but... It looked like maybe he was just focused a little too much on offense today, trying to put a little bit too much on his back, and his game absolutely crumbled. Um, and yeah, just look like if we're if we're looking at the line just just by the eye test, right? That second line is doing pretty well, but when you look deeper into it, there's there's something that is dragging down the entirety of the team it's not just individual lines going okay we're having an off night yada yada this is this is something deeper and when you have that sort of situation it is clearly on the coaching staff there is some message that isn't getting across to everyone on the team what 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 was jay woodcroft doing like i understand when dry is going to be out there with the fourth line when you're going 11 and 7 but what are you doing throwing adam ernie out there when evander kane's in the box like use your head is adam ernie have given you any positive value whatsoever in any game he's ever played for the edmonton Oilers? the guy was dog shit on the detroit red rings he is not going to be good this year he sucked the detroit red rings gave him up for nothing no one wanted him you signed him to a pto no one knows why you signed him to a contract and now you're using him in a very important situations with leon dryson you're tying an anchor to leon dryson how many years did we bitch about that with lucic and whatever and now you're doing it again like that jay woodcroft Use your head, Dylan Holloway, outstanding. Put McLeod out there for a shift. Yanmark, I uh, uh, exceeded my expectations. Throw Connor Brown out there. Throw Ron, anyone, literally anyone except for Adam Ernie. And this is this is another point that you brought up. Uh, just came to mind because you brought up McLeod. McLeod has suddenly become so pivotal to this team. McLeod has been fantastic this season. You know, he obviously had a little bit of uh, issue coming into the preseason, so he didn't get the most chance to uh, warm up. But I think he's been great defensively. He's been trying to shoot a little bit more. His speed always has been incredibly deadly and when he's paired with like when he was paired with Fogel when he's paired with Nuge when he's paired with Yanmark when he's paired with Holloway anyone he's able to kind of bring up their game 
the only issue is right now we we are down Connor McDavid. You are down the most prolific like scorer. He he is the best player in the NHL. And the other players, they have to stick to their game. They they have to be able to say, all right, we've lost a guy, but we still have to play with that next man up mentality that they did last season. And I didn't see that coming into this season at all. All of them are trying the first game especially i think they were all trying so hard to get back into a playoff mode when it's the regular season like they're totally different beasts and you can't you can't go through this sort of mentality when you're playing these regular season games cuz you might not make it to the show i i thought the earlier i thought they they had that intent like I, they had the intensity of a playoff game early on they knew you can't fall to 1 and 4 and then next Next game, one and five, and then we'll see where they sit at the Heritage Classic. Obviously, you're obviously buying that Rangers game, but and that's you know gonna be something. But and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But like seriously, it, it's unreal. I don't understand the thought process. And something you've talked about Ryan McLeod earlier. One thing that I want to say is yes, I think Ryan McLeod defensively is actually is turned into a really really good uh, defensive center. One thing that kind of irritates me a little bit with Ryan McLeod, I love I love the way he hangs on to the puck when the Oilers start cycling. I do think on dumping chases, the guy's a little weak. I it's starting to drive me a little bit nuts, and I know I sound like a boomer when he kind of just waves his stick at the defenseman as he passes by instead of using his body to kind of try and separate the defender from the puck and try and regain possession. That's starting to drive me nuts. He is a little bit, as some would say, soft in that regard, but he still is a really effective, pivotal player for the Edmonton Oilers. Like when he went out in the in the late first period, at the end of the first, Ryan McLeod went down the tunnel, right? I was so nervous because all of a sudden Anakin. the Oilers are looking really weak at center if, if McLeod's gone. And one thing I like, I do think though, but as, as we continue on to talk about that, um, this game, one player that we do also need to touch on, uh, because he's he's been a storyline all year. He scored the only third period goal for the Edmonton Oilers is Evander Kane. Evander Kane obviously struggling immensely. Like every number essentially says that Evander Kane has been playing like some the worst hockey of his career. He mm-hmm. can't handle the puck for anything. And then he goes out, Jay Woodcroft, what does he do? Last game, doesn't play him. He gets demoted, as is the supposed meritocracy should suggest, and goes on with Scott out, complains about his ice time. Next thing you know, and I get Connor McDavid's out, I would put literally anyone else there. I'd be put fucking Matthias Yanmark in on the power play one for all I care at this point. But like Evander King goes out. Another pivotal thing in that first period, the Oilers had a five on three. They had that five, those multiple five on four opportunities where it seemed like every time the puck got to Evander Kane in that Connor McDavid spot, he could not make the pass. It yeah. was always, an, always died in his play. It was like Alex Chase watching Alex Chase on back on the power play. It just died on his stick and it, it would, and it would result in a wild zone exit. It was so frustrating to watch. He killed multiple power plays. Now, again, I do think as the game went on, Evander Kane did get better. Now, Evander Kane getting better is nine times out of ten because Evander Kane isn't carrying the puck. If he's the primary puck carrier, he's going to look horrible. If you're asking Evander Kane to make a pass that's over ten feet, it's going to look horrible. But I thought Evander Kane, as the game went on, with when Yanmark somehow became one of the primary, the secondary puck carrier in the zone mm-hmm. instead of Kane, uh, he looked really good when he was kind of just causing wreaking havoc in front of the net. I thought Evander Kane got better as the game went on, and that you know his Gordy Howe hat trick would suggest the same thing. Uh, yeah. Only third period goal for the Oilers this year, again set up by Evan Bouchard. Uh, yeah, and what do you think of Kane? Honestly, yeah, he has gotten better throughout the course of this game alone, and I mean. Kane has had a, a, a bad 
situation from last season right i mean getting getting that cut horrific injury it might have been a situation where he rushed back a little bit but now you're seeing him chucking fists right it's clearly not something it's something it's it's something but it's clearly not him still babying his wrists he's he's not just missing that shooting touch or anything like that he he should have no problem with his hands right now but he's just unable to produce at all the one thing i will say his effort level in especially in the third period i saw that tick up in the third period yeah yes this game this game this third second you know the end of the second third period was the best i've seen of anakin and now the bar isn't necessarily super high this year for him uh obviously the uh, essentially the way the Oilers are built though they need a lot more a lot more from evander kane still like even this goal even this assist isn't necessarily good enough uh you know to be as blunt as that is it's not good enough you need more from those guys especially when you're missing the best player in the nhl right yeah it's clearly a situation where he he is underperforming right he's undoubtedly unperforming his contract right now and you had comparisons in the past to milan lucic and you know what i'm i'm hoping this is not a situation where that repeats but even lucic at the end of his flames tenure he knew his place right he knew what he had to do and Evander Kane, if he is starting to degrade in his offensive prowess, he has to start moving into that level as well, right? Sorry, I missed what you said. Oh, no, I just said it. Yeah, he is. He is starting to degrade in that offensive prowess. Like, he is not the player that he was, you know, five years ago or whatever. Uh, He's definitely slower. He definitely, but where he's struggling the most is uh, handling the puck. And it's really funny here, just kind of to backtrack and go uh, talk about the goal again. I just looked at uh, the goal save above expected stats and kind of what we said, if Campbell has two of those goals, the ones that we both believe that he should have had the one in the first at the end of the period where he couldn't cover it. And then the five, uh, the six, three goal where it, or six, three, five, three, it doesn't even matter at this point from Hartman where he tips it in off his skate and it kind of goes right into Campbell. He has a negative 1.6 goal saved above expected. Obviously, you can't stop one and a half goals. That's two goals. Two. Those two goals don't go in. Different game. And, you know, the Oilers maybe at least get a point without their captain because obviously it's a huge thing. But, like, again, there were a lot of players who, like, Brett Kulak, Darnell Nurse, Warren Fogel, I thought played really well. I thought Philip Broberg, it's funny, when Philip Broberg yeah. has the puck and he's skating, he's a really, really good puck transitioner. Problem is he just, like, never does it. He's never, we, we never unleash Philip Broberg, you know? There's so many things there. I think there's so many little changes the Oilers could make. And it seems like every day of practice now, it's almost like, it just, like, feels like Dave Tippett's in charge again. And I don't even know. <laughs> it feels like you're just waiting for the, Okay, what's the stupidest set of lines we can conceive? Okay, this is what they're going to run a, a practice. Like, there's so many things where you could try to fix, you could try to do. Why isn't Dylan Holloway getting uh, getting an elevated role in the lineup? And I understand exactly. tonight he played a little bit more. Let's see, what was his ice time tonight? Dylan Holloway played, it says 15.04 at all situations. So, oh, okay, that is elevated. Dylan Holloway, <laughs> I believe, was like 10 minutes last game. So, extra five minutes for Holloway, kind of expected without McDavid. But if you look at someone like Matthew Nyes in Toronto, the Leafs are losing in the third period, down by two goals. What's the team? Matthew Nyes scores two goals in the third period to send the game to overtime. Toronto ends up winning it. Dylan Holloway is a very comparable player to Matthew Nyes. He's drafted much higher than Matthew Nyes. Very comparable numbers in college. 
both excel in their skating and their puck handling and their shooting. Everything about them is so similar. The only difference between those two players this year is Sheldon Keefe has put Matthew Nyes in a trusted role in a situation to succeed, whereas Dylan Holloway is thrust onto the fourth line. And again, I do like him on a line with Brown and McLeod, but and again, as much as we like that line, as much as their expected goals are off the charts, as much as they consistently have opposition in their own zone, as much as they win the matchup against other teams' third lines, the problem is, like, they're not scoring together. Like, yeah. like there's no tangible results. And we're at the point where you're one and four, and I don't care if the Oilers were rocking a 80% expected goals at this point, you're not winning. Like, you got, we got to make some changes here. And I get McDavid's not going to be in that next game, uh, obviously. Uh, he might be in for the Heritage Classic. I honestly, if I was betting my money on it, I would, I believe he's going to play in that Heritage Classic. I mean, I hope so. And, and, I know we want to get to that, but we, we want to start talking about the Heritage Classic. And uh, if you missed the announcement, we do have a big one coming up. But one one last point on Holloway, and then I think we'll, we'll wrap up talking about this game. Holloway is a fantastic player when he's given minutes and the opportunity like last season when he played again when he played with mcdavid i think the like the first shift or something like that they had an amazing time and that first game he scored a goal from mcdavid right there is yeah i I can't remember exactly which one but yeah, yeah he has hands he's able to get into dirty areas and do that work too he's been on the fourth line grinding it out no complaints he's been on a more elevated role when people have have struggled and he's made it work as well he's just not being given the chances right now and the most egregious thing is okay Connor mcdavid's injured your wingers are not producing Connor brown's been demoted kane is having a real tough go let's stick yanmark on the second line you know what no let's stick him on the first line i do not understand the logic behind just not giving a young kid a chance who is offensively gifted, who is a high draft pick. He has the pedigree and he's put the effort in to do everything you've asked of him. Like, I just a, don't see why don't you don't give he, him the he's chance. Performing, he's performing exceptionally well in a limited role. You're mm-hmm. not elevating his role. And you know what? The Oilers have clear holes on their team. And I love Dylan Holloway. I think Dylan Holloway should be an Edmonton Oiler. If they are sticking with Jay Woodcroft, and if this is the path that they want to go down, if you're not going to utilize this player, trade him to someone who will. And get back a piece that you're going to utilize. And again, my number one option is the Oilers have Dylan Holloway on their team and he excels as an Edmonton Oiler. I think that's the best case scenario. But if you have this high-end asset that you're just shoving on the fourth line and, you know, putting Adam, like, I bet you, (laughs) I haven't checked exactly, but I would argue, I would believe that Adam Ernie played more with Leon Drysaddle today than Dylan Holloway did. I know Holloway had two shifts with, with Drysaddle, one in the third, one in the first, right at the end. With two minutes left, I believe Adam Ernie played more with Dylan Hall uh, with Leon Dreisaitl. Now, part of that is being on that fourth line, eleven and seven. But at the end of the day, if you have this piece that you or don't want to use, you do not trust. Trade him. Get back. Whether it's a right shot defenseman, whether it's a get top a six forward, I don't know if I could even do that unless it's UC Soros or yeah. someone. But we can't keep doing this. And again, we can piss and sit here and nitpick and say, okay, Bouchard shouldn't have pinched there. Bouchard should have had his man in the corner. And, Full on agree. Evan Bouchard cannot make these mistakes that he's made the last six games. Cannot happen anymore. Evan Bouchard needs to smarten up. He needs to have a nap. He needs to sit down, watch the film. He needs to get a smack on the face. I don't know what it is, 
But something needs to change in the with the way Evan Bouchard is playing defensively. Something needs to change in the way the entire team's playing defensively, though. But again, even if this team was a defensive stall, let's say they only allow 20 shots on net, you're still having 800 save percentage from your goalie. In ninety percent of the time, or at this point, eighty percent of the time, six just two stinkers that go in, right? Like just unacceptable day. stinkers. No matter who's in net, this this was a Jonas Gustafsson performance today. You're robbing <laughs> guys in the second, and you're letting in goals. Like how the hell did that go in? It's a Peter Morazic performance. You know, these are guys that are not high end goalies. It doesn't matter how many pucks hit you. Like when you're in net, I don't care. I, people aren't going to like this. Hockey is luck. Obviously, hockey is luck. Like, there's a lot of skill and, you know, that goes into it. But at the end of the day, like you saw in the Vegas series, a lot of that is luck. It's a Here, huge factor. It's luck. Campbell in the second period, did he make some good plays? Yes. Did he get exceptionally lucky? Absolutely. That's the thing. He's getting exceptionally, exceptionally lucky when he's playing good, and he's still letting in some of those really, really atrocious goals that end up costing you every single game. And how many games can we say that the Oilers have had the better goalie on the ice? Honestly, what, one against Nashville? Yeah. And it was funny enough, UC Soros, who was the worst goalie, ended up getting pulled. But uh, regardless, I, it, it cannot continue. If, if if these guys in net don't pull it together, I don't care what you say about the coverage. It does not matter. 800 is not good enough. It's every not. single game, it's like this. We, the, I feel like the Oilers are the only fans where every game we have this giant narrative this giant push from media and fans everything okay we have to break down every single goal and say oh well this guy this you need to be an x's and o's expert to be able to watch the edmonton oilers and break down a goal because every goal is never the goalie's fault it's always well you know there's defensive misplays from every team in every single game they are going to happen the difference between the best teams and the worst teams obviously it's very boiled down their goalies stop those plays they make a save when there's a breakaway in the third period are you expected to save that no but best teams their goalies save it winning teams always seem to have goalies go on these magical runs where their average is average that's fine like the little stinkers they never go in and just every game maybe once every two games one or two amazing stops that are above what they should be expected to do right that's the recipe for goalies and we've had names again like last last playoffs vegas rode Aiden Hill, like Aiden Hill is not a lights out, amazing goalie. Like he's just a guy. He's serviceable. You, you get him in there. And as long as he's having a good season, apparently he can win you a cup, right? With the only exception being Vasilevsky, like this should be good enough if you are just an average goaltender. And our goaltenders have been either like failing at these highlight reel saves and failing in the average department or getting average and just not getting it quite enough and that's when the defensive lapses really really hurt us right so let's let's stop talking about this game because it it's disappointing like usually i will say one thing though usually games against the minnesota wild are dreadfully boring like insanely dull in the past Mm -hmm. And this is a 7-4 game, right? And I was I felt like I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. So at least props to that. It was an entertaining yeah. game. If you aren't a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, it was well, a fun the, watch. 
it, it, it's just sad for me looking back at my notes and just saying like, what if, you know, they have those four, <laughs> they were, they had those four power plays in the first period. Drysdale hits the post. Drysdale played exceptional tonight. Like, I don't think, I think that's the one guy we didn't give our stars to. He was on the ice for one goal for zero goals against him. Uh, so like Leon showed up, he did what he was asked to. He's always one of the best players in the world, but he elevated his game to that level that we know he can reach, uh, that we've seen him reach multiple times before in the playoffs. And we've seen him reach three years ago when Connor McDavid missed time. And he did everything that was asked to. He made Matthias Yanmark look like a legitimate top six forward. He got a Vander Kane to play. I mean, not high praise, but the best hockey uh, we've seen from a Vander Kane this season later on in the game. He elevated everyone who was around him. All the Oilers needed to do was tread water and with their bottom six, just be smart defensively, just make the simple play. And they just never the average did that. defensive play. They never did that once. Yeah, it's it's a wasted performance uh, from Leon Dreisaitl, Warren Fogle, and many others that were just better than they were in the past. But let's move on. We'll we'll talk about the big announcement, Zach. Obviously, the Oilers are going well, to be playing. Oh, did you? Oh no, sorry, sorry. No, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead with this. Go ahead with this. Yeah, this is more important. <laughs> Obviously, the Oilers are going to be going up against the Flames this Sunday for the Heritage Classic. But this is an amazing thing for Game Over. We are going to have our first Game Over Edmonton, Game Over Calgary live in-person show after the heritage classic the stream might be a little bit later than you're used to it won't happen immediately after the heritage classic but come down to the pint on white we will be there zach avery myself peter audie from game over calgary as well as a couple of folks from out east yeah please you don't want to miss this one. We don't know when there's going to be another live event. So head down to the bottom of the description here. Uh, you can find tickets on Eventbrite. I don't know what the limit is. Zach, did it's, it... 50, it's 50 right now. When they sell out, they will release another batch. Get your tickets quick, though. There is a capacity on the bar. If the Oilers win, which <laughs> who knows at this point, um it'll be really busy so i'm looking forward to it i'm so excited to come up to edmonton to finally meet everyone in person because yeah i've only met avery once that's yeah, the only man. guy from sdpn i've ever actually met in person so and i'm looking forward to it i'm super excited we're super excited to meet you as well some loyal listeners for a long time we definitely want to see you guys there uh it's our first live in-person game over uh for edmonton and calgary and if you are, you know, it's a Sunday night. It's going to be a little bit late. If you're going to indulge in a couple of beverages, do so. But if you can't, you have work the next morning or whatever, the folks at Temperance Brewing, uh, the Temperance Spirits will be there. If you aren't able to drink alcohol that night, they will be providing non-alcoholic cocktails, beers, spirits. Uh, once again, it's going to be sober October. So it's going to be a lot of fun no matter what. Be there. Again, reserve spots. The tickets are free. We will have a limited number of tickets. We don't know exactly how many, but uh, we those are limited, and it is an event that's happening this Sunday. So that's that's the event. Uh, yeah. Big announcement, Zach. Absolutely, I'm super excited now. 
everyone was talking about like just in terms of writing the ship going forward here like what are you thinking what do you do i saw everyone else in the chat talking about it so we can jump into our uh, press let's do the press whatever you want to call it but yeah like, if anyone's got any questions about what you think the, or just anything you any ideas for what the oilers should do to write the ship write them in chat let us know we'll respond i'm going to scroll up here in chat take a look um yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what to say. Let, I, I don't talk. even know what to do. The first, the first thing that comes to mind is, is system, right? That's the biggest thing that's changed. So Dennis, do you like, I don't know what to do about that. That it's, it, it, it's such a major issue that everyone on the team is clearly struggling with the defense. Don't know what they're doing. The forwards cannot create off the rush. Like there is all, there is very little rush opportunities happening for Edmonton this season, as opposed to last season when they were the best team off the rush in the NHL. Now, like, do you just scrap the system six games into the year after you spent your ent an entire month in September and who knows how long before that at the captain's gates implementing this system? What, what, what do you do? Would you think any NHL head coach would just do that? Like that just, that's, they're stubborn. That's them just admitting they're wrong. Like, how do you do that? Look, I, I know there's a certain prestige to being an NHL head coach. I've never been there. Obviously, yeah. I haven't been a coach in any level, but if you are stubborn to the point where you are able to just let your team lose, I don't know what, 10 games, that means that you got to go. People have to be adaptable. You're trying to fit the system largely because it really helped Vegas in the postseason. And we wanted to learn something similar. You know, let's let's knuckle down defensively. Let's completely revamp this. Let's try and change our fates in the postseason. Well, based on this pace, you're not going to the postseason. Nope, not so even close. What's the point, right? Like, you, you can't change. I, I don't think they're going to change the system right away. If, if it's like this 20 games in and there still is immense struggles, they're going to switch the, uh, the system. But that might be too little, too late already. You, yeah. Again, you can't win the Stanley Cup in October. Sure can't lose it. As that is. So, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to do there. Now, I do think that they're going to – I just – I have a feeling they're going to make a trade uh, earlier on than we're kind of used to in the season here. I, I've heard it keeps getting louder and louder um, when people are talking about that the need for a right defenseman. Um, I think they're going to do something on that front. Now, the bigger question is – on that uh uh for me how how do you go with the goaltending are you okay with just hoping that these guys find it or are we getting to the point where it's so drastic if this season goes in the shitter this could be an all-time level calamity this could be a calamity like no nhl team has ever seen this could be a, a 2012 end of the world level calamity if they do not make the playoffs do you cut bait with your do you get another goalie do you make a drastic change can you make a drastic change in that i just don't know if you can right look i'm a ken holland believer i i trust that that man can work his magic but this from my perspective from my abilities i just don't think it's possible to move on from jack campbell Stuart skinner i, I think it's a little early to move on from him right and given I, that we don't yeah. given that we don't have anyone in the system 
unless you're really able to just have one team bite the bullet for you for four years of Jack Campbell at five well, million, th- then you're then adapt. That's the thing where you kind of doing that Cal Peterson type deal, and Cal Peterson did have a lot less term on his deal than Stuart Skinner or than Jack Campbell. Yeah. Sorry, but it was a comparable cap hit. Now the thing is, when you do that, you send that contract away, you're depreciating the value of your own asset. That like a, a just Dylan Holloway, for example, yeah. you know to. You're you're taking away from them that to get them to take Jack Campbell is, instead of spending that value on the best asset possible. Again, in the in the season, I don't think there's a way you can get rid of either of them. Now, Stuart Skinner is young. Stuart Skinner is yeah. someone who you can keep for the next four years and be fine. But you need someone. You need significantly better than what we've gotten from Jack Campbell thus far this season. And it's not an understatement. Like I don't know how you do it. I don't know if you how how you do it and you get someone who had who, who you get them to either retain or you use the cat you move out cc and you spend that cap hit on a goalie and you just carry a 15 million dollar goalie tandem uh, with three goalies this year and then you buy out campbell in the off season but i and i shouldn't be talking about it. again it's been three games but again this isn't a normal season this is not a normal team yeah. this is a team that was saying stuff like copper bust copper bust copper bust when you're talking like that, you cannot be wasting things like this. And and keep in mind too, right? We we've watched a lot of Oilers hockey even before we started doing game over. We are, are we've watched this team lose before. We've watched this team go on losing streaks before. And you definitely I've mostly watched this team lose. <laughs> you've definitely watched this team throw up horrendous games against honestly people that they shouldn't be losing against i'm thinking that columbus game that you had to do and the anaheim game that you had to do wow you had some real stinkers last year Um, those were still times when you know what it's fine we're not we're not panicking they looked good in the game these five games these five losses they've looked good in what like one and a half no the five losses specifically Oh, and, and the losses. They look good against Winnipeg. They probably deserved a better fate. They look good against Vancouver in the second game. They probably deserved a better fate. Again, we don't count those, though, obviously. <laughs> At the end of the day, they don't get points for looking good in the game. Vegas is already 6-0. and Edmonton has two points. Vegas has 12. You are very far behind. You're, you is, Will they catch Vegas? Honestly, odds are probably not. Last not. year when I when I sat there and the Oilers were three games above 500 and they lost to Anaheim in an embarrassing fashion halfway through the season, that December stretch where they went 2-15, and 15, I sat here and I sat at my computer and I said they, they're still going to finish in second and you know what happened? They finished in second. I do not have that same faith this year. Like They're, they're just ramming their head against the wall and it's not working, so instead of making changes they're ramming their head even harder and then when they do try and make changes they're the most ass first backwards wild changes you could ever think of like it does not make sense it does not make sense right there's there's always situations where you look at and you go okay yeah they deserved a little bit better on that one okay they deserve better on that one and this season it uh, save for one i wouldn't even like the second vancouver game uh, okay like I'll, I'll say yeah maybe i'll give him half a game for that one and a half is not good enough out of the five compared yeah. to the the lost losing streaks of the past this is just a situation where i'm not considering 
like the next game against New York, right? I'm not considering a situation of, well, I, I really hope that, you know, the, we get a, a really just dominant performance by the Oilers and, and they really just come back. I'm now just hoping, please play Oilers hockey, right? Play a game where we we can have our licks and chances and we will dish them out as well. And, and you know what Oilers hockey is? Oilers hockey is high flying offense. Yeah. Oilers hockey is winning a game seven to six, five to four. Oilers hockey is being down by four goals in the third period and being almost being almost certain that they were going to at least give an effort to come back. Being absolutely believing that down three goals, if they score one, they're going to get the next two. And right. you know what? I have not felt that once this year. When they when the Oilers went down by two, it was game over. Wrap it up. Get ready for the show tonight. And you know what? One of the problems is, and we saw people who who X, know X's and O's way better than us, like Jack Hahn and Bruce Perlock kind of point out, that this defensive system that they're running is meant to limit the high-quality chances in the Oilers' zone. What's happened this year? All they've done is limit their own offense. Because with this system, the transition opportunities are not going to be there. When a team like Vegas out. runs this, and they got the Shea Theodores, and they got the Alex Petrangelo's, and they got the Nick Hags, they can make a breakout pass to those players. Yes, it's going to be a little bit easier to jumpstart your offense. The Oilers are relying on DeHarnay and Kulak and Nurse and these guys who aren't exceptional passers. Nowhere near the level of Vegas's guys. They're inhibiting their own offense. And it's not like goals against have dropped, really. Yeah. <laughs> All they've done is drop their own goals for. They've they got seven goals scored on them. Okay, an empty net. Six goals tonight. Eight goals against in the first game. Every night, it's there's something. And this is not working. If they just are stubborn and stick to it, you know. That's going to be an issue. And next next game, again, it's New York. The Rangers are coming. Uh, yeah, they're coming to town. Uh, think back to Dreisaitl in New York. When they were down, what three goals? Drysaddle yeah, looks at New York. Seven five was it that game? Something like, like that. Say the retirement night. Is that what we're talking about? Or is that I, too far away? There was one with Taylor Hall and Drysaddle, I believe, for the Oilers. One with seven goals. Then there was the New Year's Eve night with Yamamoto, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins. Is that what the one we're talking about? Drysaddle, yeah. Drysaddle pointed out. You know what? We're coming back. Just you wait. They're down two, three goals. It doesn't matter. We're coming back. Just you wait. Yep. And we haven't been able to get that hope in any Oilers game so far. Next, next game. Well, that game you're talking about, that was the game where McDavid did beat four guys. Yep. That was the situation. That was the game. So when, when you have that level of confidence, that level of your, your, it's not just the team's confidence, the fans confidence, be able to say, you know what? We're not out of it. Currently, every game we've watched this season, Oilers fans, uh, seems like as soon as we're down one, it's over. As soon as the other Back team it ties it, it's over. We're a bust. It's time to just sell the farm. Let's There's let's no get whatever back. assets we can. Mm-hmm. There's no fight back in this team right now. It's sad to watch. They don't look like the team that lost to Vegas last year. Not even close. Uh, there needs to be, like, I know it's just the fourth line, but... Adam Ernie cannot play another game for the Edmonton Oilers. Derek Ryan looks rough. He's gotten old. There, I'd like to see some guys who could skate. I'd like to see Elaine Peterson. I'd love to see a Raphael Lavoie. It, it's not working right now what we're doing. It is absolutely not working. You're going to get up against the Rangers. The Rangers are a good team. I don't. I believe they're losing to Calgary right now. Or uh, if they haven't lost I think they already. won. 
I think they actually won okay, tonight. They won. So, I mean, hopefully they come on a little bit. You know, they're like, oh, we're playing the Oilers without McDavid. We can take it easy tonight. It's going to be an easy win. And the Oilers somehow squeak one out because going into the Heritage Classic, one, five, and one would be an absolute uh, emergency disaster. I don't even know what to call it. It'd be a um, nightmare. Oh. It would be a nightmare. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff that needs fixing. I don't, I, I, and, and, and it, it, I don't even know what to say at this point because like, it, it kind of it, it kind of it behooves me. Some of these plays are just so uncharacteristic, and we can sit here and I see some people starting like the the noise for Jay Woodcroft's head is getting turned up a tiny little bit, and I'm not there. I don't think that they should fire Jay Woodcroft. We heard Phil Jack or J- Phil Jackson. We heard Jeff <laughs> Jackson say that uh, that that or Jeff Jackson and Connor McDavid say that he's one of the top three coaches in the NHL. Like everyone likes Jay Woodcroft. Is he making questionable decisions from a fan's perspective? Absolutely. Are there things I want Jay Woodcroft to do? Absolutely. I want him to play the youth. It just doesn't seem like he wants to, but. You can't fire a coach. You can't fire a coach with it's this team's reputation. You can't do it. The only thing I think that would be inexcusable is if over the next string of games, nothing gets tweaked. You can't keep going back to the same thing time and time again when it very clearly isn't working after six games. You got to tweak something. Like you said, if it's a roster situation, you bring up some younger blood, you try and get a little bit more energy into things fine if it's if it's a situation where you know you just change the system a little bit you you don't keep trying this new defensive system you go back maybe a little bit to more high-flying offense traditional oilers hockey that's that's fine too just try something it's well i see in the chat sorry daki's talking about how he doesn't blame woody but he blames the goalie coach and the defensive coach now i don't really understand the blame on Dustin Schwartz. I don't know. They always had good goalies under Schwartz. They've had bad goalies under Schwartz. I'm just going to sit here and say that Campbell, uh, who had these same problems with other goalie coaches, just is struggling. I'm not going to sit here and blame that on Schwartz or another thing. And, and another thing I want to say about this game, like early on, when the Oilers were killing their penalty against Minnesota, they were there were a lot of those zone denials that kind of the, that came on in the back half of last year. They were really quick with their sticks. They were really aggressive. They were relentless on the forecheck. And it kind of just evaporated when they, I don't know if they sit back and try to protect that lead, even though they didn't really have that lead for that long because they went to intermission and immediately right in the third, the wild tie it and just takes off from there. So I don't know. We need better transition, but I think that it goes for our defensemen. It goes back to that system that we had before. And but you you see the issues that we're having. It's it's so clear to any fan that's watched Oilers hockey for a period of time, right? You see the issues of this team and if you just keep hammering your skull into the brick wall that is these strings of failures, you're not going to have a job for much longer. So, I I think it's too early to start calling for Woodcroft's head, but again, if you don't adjust in the regular season, you don't adjust in the playoffs. You have no shot. The playoff is all about adjustments, little micro adjustments you make even within the game itself. Right. And that's what kind that's what Bruce Cassidy used to push Vegas over Edmonton. That was one of those things, but Woodcroft got out coached. But again, it's, it, it we just got to sit here and see. We got to see if something changes. They, they, there needs to be changes. There needs to be beyond taking out Adam Ernie. There, there needs to be changes to this lineup. Guys, Oilers, do something. 
And that's going to be it for us. That's uh, it's it's a long show as well tonight, Zach. It it was fantastic. It's been a long time since we've done a dynamic duo broadcast. How are you feeling? <laughs> Oh, Check I feel good. I could tie. The, the last show we did was uh, in uh, middle of May last year. I don't yeah. know if you remember that game. It was the, the Oilers getting eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights game yep. six, you know, but who is counting that? Uh, who remembers that? Um, yeah, no, was, this was a blast. I'm super happy to be back with you. We're going to be back next show, uh, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. when the Oilers take on the Rangers and fucking hope that they don't <laughs> fall one, five and one because I, I don't even know. I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, know. you know what? You will see Zach and I's reaction on Thursday, uh, October 26th. Puck drop is at seven Mountain Time against the New York Rangers. Uh, if we're if we're feeling great, then things are looking into a good direction. If we continue with this level of ranting, then heck, blow it up. Uh, Firewoodcroft, sell McDavid for assets. Whatever. Okay, chill out. <laughs> chill the fuck. Calm the fuck down. Let's relax. You saw McDavid. I'm going with him. We're a package. <laughs> package deal. Uh, game over. Edmonton goes to where. Game over wherever the hell McDavid plays. Okay, that's gonna be it for it tonight. Check out the link in the description for the Eventbrite page. Again, it's the first live event in person for game over Edmonton and game over Calgary. After the Heritage Classic, we will be at the pint near White Avenue. Check it out. Uh, that's it for us tonight. We've been going on pretty long. Thank you so much for, uh, just an hour, almost an hour of content. Zach, where can they find you? You can find me at ZWheel97, and on Sunday night, you can find me at the Pint on White. So come down, hang out, listen to, we're going to be doing a live game over. Uh, yeah, come hang out with Dennis and I and have a non-alcoholic beer or an alcoholic beer. Um, your choice. Right on. And again, we will be joined by uh, Avery from Game Over Edmonton and Peter and Audie from Game Over Calgary. Check it out. You don't want to miss it. Tickets are limited. That's it for us tonight. Take care, everyone. So long.